We running this, let's go. I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me, cause I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Salt Ships and Scuttlebutt, a World of Warships podcast. This is episode 37. Now, it is brought to you a week later than normal because last week we had the North America King of the Sea playoffs and both myself and Captain Green were kept very, very busy on the day. And even though we tried to make time for it, we first must apologize because... um. Neither one of us could have our stars aligned to record it, so uh, greetings to my co-hosting Captain Green. Welcome back. Hello, hello. It's been a very, very long week, almost two weeks, in fact. But um, yeah, we're we're here. Fucking NA Cots is done. On to internationals, mm-hmm. and yeah. Now, last time I didn't record episode 36, you had someone warming uh, my chair for me. How did my stooge, or sorry, stand-in go? Mr. Pickles always does a great job. He always gets uh, good reviews and and stuff. (laughs) Much better than yours. I just feel the need to add that. Oh, yeah. No, people like, it's great. He doesn't talk funny. Uh, the only problem, the only person who doesn't have, or the only person who has a problem with him is Vital from TSOC. He absolutely hates Mr. Pickles. Really? Everybody else loves him. Oh, yeah. Now, I must say, um, Captain Green, it has been, not sure if you've prepared for it this time, but your codes within the podcast has been very, very popular. Yes, I got a lot of people DMing me on Wednesday asking for codes. <laughs> After I'd already given out, like, Three codes. <laughs> so lots of people are listening. Yeah, Green's going to get a new bunch shortly to uh, give out. So maybe not this week. It might be next. Oh week. no, no! I still have coach for this oh, week. So I he still, still coach is. For this. He still has coach. I He's just gonna have work to come up with a question. That's mm, why I, I actually we, maybe we can um, leech it into this next section now, Greeny. I believe did you get something in the mail that looked like a bomb? It might have had anthrax. You sent me a pipe bomb in the mail. <laughs> I I got the I was walking around my school. The guy who does postage came up to me. He's like, hey, you've got a package? I was like, No, I don't. No, I don't. Don't you, lie to you me. knew you were getting a package. I it had completely slipped my mind because I just pulled the double at work. So I went over and sitting on a the table in, in the mailroom with three security guards around it was a box that had my name on it. Absolutely <laughs> covered in packing tape. So uh, then I got asked a, a, a string of questions. What is this? I don't know. Who gave this to you? I didn't even know I was getting a package. <laughs> because it, it was, the, it was the, the name on the box is from a food distributor. Mm. And they were like, okay, we're going to have you open this. I was like, oh, okay, why? It's, it's mine. They're like, because we think it is a nefarious device is the terminology that was used. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And then one of them looked over and me, bomb. We think it's a bomb. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so I, I look at him like, and you're, you're going to have a student open this. This is, this is your official stance. You're going to have a student open the package you, you think might explode my face. And they're going to stand right next to you. Are these really intelligent guards? 
Well, one of them made a joke about how they get paid minimum wage. And I was like, well, fuck it. I don't even get paid minimum wage. Here we go. I'll open the box. And it was Tim Tams. <laughs> oh, yes, they, they do explode in your mouth, though. Oh, yes. So, yes, you, you sent me, I think it was a pack of eight. Oh, they, they are, I'm already down to one. I'm looking at it right now. I've saved one of the original ones, one of the original you packs. Should, you all got, the other ones the, the, I was going to say there were four packs all up of, what was that? No, eight? it was two, it was two layers of four. Two layers of four. Oh, wow. Then that's even, yeah. then you got, then they, they stuffed up. I only ordered you four. You got eight packs for the same price. Yes, sir. Go we'll order from there again. <laughs> See if they'll do it again. <laughs> but you'll you'll get arrested for importing a pipe bomb making well, materials. Well, no, what happened is they they asked like, well, what the fuck are these? And I was like, oh, you know, I I host a podcast. My co-host's Australian. He sends me these cookies from time to time. And one of them, a a large man, a, a heavy set man, immediately perked up at the word cookies. <laughs> and can I, can I try one? Well, that's that's exactly what he said, and I was like, "You want to know what?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you guys can you guys can have one." And I took out the tray of the I think it was dark chocolate covered because I don't like dark chocolate, <laughs> so I just gave him the the tray of dark chocolate, hmm. and he had he he went hog wild on that thing of of dark chocolate Tim Tams. He had the time of his life. Now now he's your best mate. Yes, 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 yes. He very much is. Gives me fist bumps now. Oh, gee, that, that is interesting. Uh, your, your school sounds very different from any other normal school I have gone to, even for boarding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a very interesting place I go to. They don't let you walk on the grass, and they don't let you run, but the grass looks like a, a parking lot in New Mexico. And running would benefit a lot of the kids here, so I don't really know. It's kind of ass backwards. But, but how do you touch, how do you touch grass when it's right there and you can't touch it? Keep off the lawn. I, can, I can't. There's literally a kid who got fined five dollars for walking across the grass, and everybody laughed because they take such non-existent care of the grass that there was no grass. It was just a whole bunch of dirt. Wow. Oh well. I know. But, uh, well, it's been interesting two weeks, but we are joined by a guest this week, someone that has been on the podcast before. Um, he, he has been requested at the last moment, so apologies to this guest, but greetings, Addison slash Addy. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Glad to be here, even though it was on short nose. I, you know, I poured myself a glass of whiskey, so here for the long run. Oh, God bless. Let's that, go. That's okay. But first things first, Addy. Since we last spoke, and how many times have you been focused by a CV for so your AA goes off or submarine pings? Oh, golly! By CV, many, many, many times. I think the other day uh, I was in a triple division, and the enemy CV kill only struck the division. So at the end of the battle, uh, only our division had plane kills. So that was a, a fun experience. Uh, not so much by subs uh, recently. Uh, oh, look, if you're a submarine player and you want to grief someone, if you see Addison in a game, ping him nonstop. Or, or, or you could not do that. Uh, I would really much appreciate that. Oh, uh, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. And you've been well otherwise. Are there, look, we've had you on before. Are there any, 
usually we ask our guests are there any unique foods have you thought of any unique foods that greenie might be able to um ingest if he came over your part of north america i believe you are i forgot uh, where you're yep. from again uh i'm in michigan so uh pretty close to canada uh, you, you, you can get across the border States. when your economy um goes south i don't know man maybe uh, i don't know if canada's economy goes south first trust <laughs> i trust the maple syrup cartel will fold before the your economy mm -hmm. but i think uh a food that i had when actually this will be over in vancouver because i just came back from vancouver a couple of weeks ago um but they had all different types of crab i don't know if you're a crab guy uh green oh but... i like me some crab i like my meat with feet i, I like <laughs> don't like fish but i i like me some crabs mm-hmm uh, but they have a lot of good ways of cooking crab uh, over in Vancouver. So next time you come over, uh, or ever make it out to the West Coast, uh, I'll treat you some crab. God bless. I only made it as far as upstate New York, uh, New York before I got bored. I, I it was all just corn and Amish people. I got really bored and turned around. I think we're going to have to create the the greeny um, road trip around America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'd totally be down i have no money to finance it but i'm down we'll, we'll set we'll set up a um gofundme page maybe for greenie this is just tongue-in-cheek but we should come up with the itinerary of places that greenie has to visit and has to eat at in his road trip around america we'll call it the gluttonous affair oh my god i can already i'd, I'd sell so many t-shirts you could give me like an 04 civic and a box of t-shirts and i think i'd make more money or to have more money at the end of it than when I started. Uh, only if you travel with this road trip in your Aztec. Oh, that'd be good. No, that's good because I have a, the back, as you know, turns into a sleeping area with a tent that covers the windows and a blow-up air mattress in there. Hear that, so ladies? I'd, I'd, be, I'd be in comfort. Oh, yeah, ladies, if you want to do a little... He's got a shagging wagon. He's going on the I'm road prepared. trip. I'm prepared. 24-7, baby. I'm open. I'm like a 7-Eleven, except I don't have rats. It's great. Wait, wait, wait. You love rats. How do you yeah, I have like rats? rats I, don't, I don't have them. <laughs> like in me. Like a 7-Eleven probably does. I, I am concerned. I am concerned, Greeny. You should be. My mental is shattered today. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, crabs sound wonderful, Eddie. Oh, crab meat is beautiful. Hopefully you got a, a nice chili one. A chili one? What? Haven't you had the chili crab before? No, I actually haven't. Is it good? It's beautiful. You've got to try some chili crab. Got to just just even Google it and have a look at chili crab right now. So, as as we go on, now we we do have a um question. We're going to well not a question, but more of a discussion topic before we get into the agenda. Um, three weeks now, three and a half weeks. Submarines have been officially available in early access. How do we think the impact has been on the game? Um, in my honest opinion, for me, I have found that their numbers have dropped a lot. Um, I see a few at tier six, maybe generally one, sometimes two. Very rarely do I see them at tier eight. Um, and at tier 10, we might see the odd tier eight because it's only early access. We don't have the tier tens. Um, do you think the early access has backfired because people don't get them now just for playing the game they've actually got to get tokens or 
um, have some sort of RNG to get a premium one. Um, do, do you think that the, this is showing that the real interest in them is fairly fairly low, or do you think it will, it will improve? Uh, I don't know. I think I, my interaction so far with Submarine has, has actually been goofily positive, but that's mainly because the only submarines I seem to have uh, ran into, other than uh, something that happened today in a Harbin, your favorite Tier 8 Pan-Asian cruiser. Um, Best cruiser ever. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Let me tell you. But um, the, the only type of subs I've been seeing are the type that like sit in one grid square and then just get absolutely trolled by depth charges. <laughs> like I had two brothers and, and a, a German Tier 6 submarine went up the middle and just got ran over by a Mahan. And that was his game contribution. You know, I, I think that with the removal, I, I think that because now they're not so easy to access, mm. I think that you're really only getting the people who are dedicated to the class, and that can either be a net positive or a net negative. You know, it's it's a lot more of a toss up, and it also removes a metric shitload of them from the queue. You know, so you're not having constant, constant, constant sub games. I'm not. I'm still anti sub, but you know. I, I haven't been punching walls playing against them. You know, I, I've forgotten some instances where very good and capable players in submarines have focused me, and and that that is never fun, right? But uh, in comparison to say like the same type or level of player in any other class, uh, it, it, it's different, right? Because the submarine. Pl- class in itself just adds so many different variables that you don't usually account for in surface ships. Um, no, then that, that is true. Because, you know, with a submarine, sometimes you can just pop up behind you, proxying you. <laughs> uh, what, you don't like being shotgunned from point-blank range when you didn't even know that you had creeping a death right upon you? You know, I, I'm not the biggest fan, no. I, I still think... I know they've tried to limit visibility when the sub's underwater, periscopal deep diving, but if I formed a division with you, yourself, Addy, and Greeny, I took a sub at Tira and you took a DD and a BB, if one of you shared your screen in Discord, I, I could be a periscope, and as it came closer, I could deep dive and just watch your screen where the enemy vessel is I'm going to, um, to strike. I, I really think that just by lack limiting some limit vision doesn't mean that if you get them in div doesn't mean that they're just going to be abused like that and there is nothing that they can do to stop that yeah i can definitely see how it could potentially be abused in situations like that like i said i i don't think that subs are inherently a net positive for the game i still think that when you build a game based heavily on static vision parameters you know there's uh, a a destroyer can have a visibility you know can be detected from anywhere from i don't know eight kilometers to six i don't know i don't play triangle classes they confuse me but you you know what i'm saying Hmm. when but when you add which is a window but it's a manageable window when you have the the submarine detects where it's like five kilometers or six kilometers on the surface and then it goes down to like two at periscope depth i i think that that's just a, a massive disparity in in the kind of vision 
and the, the, the detectability between the two classes, which is where my main contention lies with submarines. I, I because th- I, I was going to agree. I, I think it's that zone of control at periscope depth. And they can evade it. They're not punished if if they push in too close. They can dive deep unless something's got hydro or can punish them with ASW or um, depth charges from a DD. They can get out of those situations with without taking damage. Yeah, that, that's that's the other thing. The the ability to abuse that vision on command essentially is is also very 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 powerful in my eyes because again a destroyer gets uh detected on radar the destroyer is detected for the duration of the radar uh a cruiser stumbles into the detect of a battleship he's going to be detected until he either you know smoke screen something some outside factor or he leaves that vision circle a submarine can just press its what is it it's f key i think um, uh, no, F, F to rise. F to rise, C key, C key. Or yeah, F-T. so he, he can just press his C key twice and he's gone. And the other thing is, a lot of these submarines still have pretty good legs on them when they're under the surface of the water. They, they definitely do. They so, definitely do. And there's no penalty for running at high speed. So I can just, you know, go down to whatever it is, 30 meters right below periscope depth, open up the, the you know, the, the throttle and just zip away. At thirty knots, in a I, lot of the case of these tier ten subs, I will which put, I think is just. Oops, sorry. Now, so I will put a caveat around islands. If the rocks are too high to the surface, submarines can't get away. So, um, it re- that's really only for when they're in open water. So, around islands or narrow straits and channels, they do have a bit of limitations as well. Yeah. They they do. I don't want you to, you know, these aren't phantoms ghosting around the battlefield, just throwing torps at anything that moves. Mm. But a, a submarine, it's much easier for a submarine to control its um, vision, and it's much easier for a submarine to control and pick engagements. Not very much so. Look, they're here. They're in early access. Um, uh, we, we, I'm going to talk about Wolfpack a little bit later. I have played a few games in the last two weeks, so I can discuss that. But um, question for both Greeny and Addy: If if submarines are as infrequently played as I think they are now, I don't have the stats. Um, I cannot personally see them having a place in clan battles or King of the Sea. But that being said, we'll probably see them in these formats as um, the the vendor that runs these things may have surveys that say people would love to see them in those formats. Do you think they'd be popular? Um, I, I know maybe in the lower leagues or entry games of COTS they might be, but do you really think they'd be popular? Do you think they'd have an impact? At, or would that just be another frustration added to the game? I, I personally think it'd be both. I, it'd, it'd be a frustration to the game, but also... Uh, Throughout COTS and other clan battles, I think eventually we'll be integrated one way or another. Um, and for whether or not teams will field them, I'm personally not too knowledgeable in the class, but for those who are, and they've told me that some of the spotting mechanics that we've touched on before have just been so, can be so game breaking when it comes to competitive. 
They, they, they definitely can. If you think that, uh, like, if you're going into, say, a COTS game 9v9, if you're actually allowed to bring a sub and you do, and you're coming into a contested cap, if you bring a sub that can zone out their DD, even if it's a Smellon, Ragnar, I know Smellon's not allowed, but a Ragnar, or you get a DD, um, like a Daring or a Shimmer, you outspot them, you're, you're driving them off, um, your Torps can still ping at cruisers at um the bbs aren't going to get that close for asw so in in smaller games where control and vision account for a lot of the um, damage and team fire damage being important they, they could actually break break open a game or break open frustrate the other team enough that um they, it will help the team it look it could backfire they lose their sub for nothing um, but it, it has the potential to really break some team compositions. Oh yeah, it's that's the, and I think the main way that it will break something is it, my mind keeps making connections to carriers because when carriers were first introduced in to clan battles one of the most powerful things that they brought to the table was vision. The ability for you to look at your carrier player and go, hey, I don't know where X is. Go find it. And then for them to be able to go and find it was very, 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 very powerful. And I think that the vision game is once again going to get changed up with with submarines kind of in the same way but not exactly in the same way if that makes sense you're going to have something that is invisible to radar because i don't think you can you can't um detect a submarine that's at periscope depth with a no, radar right no you can yeah. when they're on the surface but they removed it when they're at periscope depth to be radar personally i think it should be radar um because they still got something metallic above the water. This is an arcade game, mind you. So, uh, if if Raider and Hydra can go through islands, why can't Raider pick up a periscope? Yeah, that's that's and that's kind of the thing. When when you have such limited kind of tools to engage a submarine, I think that that submarine is going to to have a, a profound impact. Um, on competitive play that they won't have, um, they won't have the impact of the cv because it's not like they can sail around and get instant vision but if you're going to a contested cap or you know um even they can they can push on a if if you're thinking clan battles where you take your home cap and then you're pushing down it gives you that vision to see if there's a nosing cruise and you can just torp him to death um yeah it, that's that's, that's going to give you a bit of um flexibility that's what I was just kind of thinking. Pushing into a submarine or something is just going to be actually AIDS. Um, it's just not going to be enjoyable for the ship that's pushing unless it's something relatively quick because, again, most of these submarines can move quick underwater and they have rear torpedo tubes. So that means you can have something running away from you at 30 knots, launching two torpedoes at you every however many seconds or four, or however many aft-facing tubes it has. And your only real countermeasure to that is either A, wait for him to run out of air and come to the surface, and hope you catch him on a radar, because again, they, they still have relatively solid surface detects, or get close enough to hydro them, 
And I think that running down a lot of the tier 10 submarines just isn't really going to be an option uh, in, a, uh, in a competitive setting. Especially, especially when they're dived or have dived deep because your hydro will only pick them up at the minimum detection range of 1.9 proxy spotting range. So even though you got your hydro running, if they once they've gone really deep, um, you have to be in that proxy spotting range, which is really, really bad. Because um, unless you can follow where they're going or something else, or you're really lucky, you're not going to pick them up. One last thing on submarines. Now, I did ask um, a few players that played subs and CVs what they thought of the automatic ASW for CVs. And from both sides, it's too powerful. The subs get absolutely blapped. And um, the CV doesn't sometimes even know. It's just like he suddenly gets um, damaged at, and he's blapping a submarine. So it's it's been an interesting thing that both sides saying they're too powerful. I don't know if you, either of you gentlemen have seen it even in game where a CV's ASW's gone off. I have played a single battle of a, of a salmon this patch. And um, I ended up hunting down the Hakuryu. I pinged him once. He dropped a depth charge on my forehead, and I got depth struck. So <laughs> I can I can definitely attest to that being the case. See, like I I, I I I I'm not kidding you. The depth charge landed on my ship before exploding. So the the automated ASW a bot is more powerful than a human player. Oh, 100%. That, that was the first time a depth charge that ever landed on me before exploding. Oh, that, that is hilarious. That is hilarious. Uh, if you do have horror stories like that, we I, I would personally love to hear them because I don't think we had a lot of testing before the CVASW came out. Um, and then it's hit, hit the patch and... Yeah, it just seems broken that then, because your homing torps and the sub are longer range than your shotgun torps, so then as a submarine you're forced to get even closer to a CV, not to use your ping, and then shotgun him. But they, they've also said that they believe that after, over time shotgunning will become less prevalent because... Uh, people get better at it. They'll they'll do more homing. But uh, if anything, for, against CVs, I think um, shotgunning will be the way to go. I actually think that's uh, kind of not the case because I think people, as soon as they get better, are more confident in getting closer to target than shotgunning. Or at least that's what I've seen from all the replays that have been uploaded to re YouTube. Most of the damage is coming from shotgunning. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that that's going to be the preferred tactic against CVs. They're going to shotgun rather than ping because the ping's going to incur that automatic ASW. Yeah. Oh well. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, on submarines? Do you like them? Uh, get out of my game. <laughs> I I also had an instance where I was in a catch lot and I got fucking molly whopped by a Lexington. It's not fun. A singular plane. Dude, I didn't, even, I didn't even notice. I didn't even know I was in the range. I, didn't, I wasn't even pinging him. I was like 13 kilometers from him. And I was pinging a cruiser. And then I just got dev struck by the, by the oh, Lexington. I was so, like, what? So you're saying you didn't even ping the CV, but because no. you were in his ASW range, it still hit. Yes. You sure that was the CV? 13Ks yes. seems a bit extreme. Yes. It was, it was like 10 or 13 kilometers. I was in a catch lot. Wow. 
Greenies war stories they have to be verified by independent source. Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 like a sailor at a at a salty spittoon or something. I'm I'm I, I all I do is spit lies. The best, the finest of lies. Oh, okay, yeah, no. So I must have been a lot closer. I'm stupid. I just looked at it. It's like six kilometers. So yeah, I'm never mind. I'm stupid. I'm telling you. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Oh well. Now in the past week and a half, we we had a dev blog released around the battle pass just as a summary um next patch so in about is it this week that's coming it will be probably be this week first week of november we will get um the newest patch um for world of warships and this is getting the battle pass and i, I still think this is controversial in that not, not a battle pass itself. I, I've played many games that have battle passes. We've discussed this before. But what's controversial is that there's going to be a free battle pass. You're going to get a premium battle pass. You're going to get a premium, premium battle pass. So two paid options. I've never heard of that previously in any other game. So that that is an interesting marketing ploy. Um, now, th there's been a lot of questions and angst around the battle pass and there was a dev blog release but this was only discussing the free to play a battle pass so they've provided some examples in the dev blog um, now these are examples and they say these are subject to change so at a whim they can change any of this um, so the this is going to re replace your daily battle bonus combat bonuses um, you'll get steel from it for the same amount it looks like you get more goodies like coal and signals um so basically by from what i understand it, you do your dailies still you get points or levels for those and when you do x amount of dailies per week i'm assuming it's completing the dailies or it's just i don't know if it's if you do half of those ones per day every day you'll get the weekly they haven't explained any of that um then you get a weekly um amount of points to use to unlock things um i i after the economy rework i'm going to sit wait and see how it's implemented i'm not going to say it's good or bad but especially after the economy rework where everything on paper looked the same but then we couldn't get the same dragon flags or what now are tier 4 economic bonuses they're very rare to get and i used to burn like 100 per clan battle season so the rewards were the same but the mechanisms to get those rewards were completely screwed so on paper the battle pass sounds good but i'm gonna wait till everything comes out because uh, there has for me it's what's not being said what's not being said about the premium the premium plus um and all these other things under the hood that it's just a they're showing what's good how it looks the same but what's not being said um gentlemen i know i know um that's a long spiel but what what do you think of the dev blog for the free to play or the battle pass in general do you think it will um take off this week Uh, you know, my, my views on the battle pass really just comes down to how it's going to be implemented full-time in, in the game, right? Because so long as it's not giving those players who are paying an advantage in-game to those players who are playing for free, then, you know, no, that, I'm fine with that. Because, you know, as long as those players who are you know, playing for free are not 
getting substantially less or less than any amount than they are currently from the system that we have now, uh, I think it's fine. People will self-select into whatever tier that, that they're going to be selected into, right? But um, how would you limit the pay option? So you've got all your ones for the for the free to play in there. They gave an example of what that progression could look like in dev blog. But what would you consider as bad in the free to play? More steel, a ship, uh, economic bonuses? Because then if you're paying for these things and you're completing them, that that's giving you a leg up over the free to play player. Mm. I think that Hold on. Let me think about this. I've I've actually haven't given the battle pass much thought before because the information's been so conflicting. It has been very conflicting. It's been very disjointed, especially on the PTS as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Go ahead. Uh, Greeny, Greeny, you got any thoughts? Head head empty. No thoughts. Grug confused. <laughs> much information come out. Conflict. Like Grug, no like. Like it, like what we talked about last week, right? We had, we had three different tiers of a paid battle pass. What happened there? What's up with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like I think that, you know, every single Christmas, people are paying their money. Well, most people are looking for ships, right? But a lot of people are paying their money, getting these economic bonuses. Well, nowadays, it's going to be economic bonuses. Well, before it was the special dragon flags. Hmm. Um, so in a way, this has never been, this always has been in the game where people are paying for stuff that can give them a leg up in terms that, of that economics. True. However, at the same time, you know, what, what I meant by having advantage was like, remember the first iteration of the research bureau where you would have prestiges on ships uh, in game, it would have in game advantages to their performance, like a better yes. DPM. Yes, better, better DPM or better dispersion or better range. Yeah. And you wouldn't even know this because the players reset, um, say, the Des Moines line five times. And because mm -hmm. he's done this so many times, it's got innately 2K longer range than the stock Des Moines or a, another Des Moines that's just unlocked it. That, that gives someone an innate game ability. I understand what you're meaning now. Yeah. Yeah. So long as that is not the case, so long as if a person is shilling out X amount of dollars a month, right? If they're not getting like uh, just a better Des Moines, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that because at the end of the day, it's going to be cosmetic changes. It's going to be, you know, economic bonuses that can help them progress longer. So it's really up to the player themselves how much they're willing to pay for that. And if Wargaming prices it in, in a way that that's not very appealing, well, then that, that's up to, to Wargaming and, and the player. To, to work out that, that, that is true and I, I think some of the things especially for me to review these battle passes because uh, we, we haven't had much information about the premium or the premium plus premium premium options so i don't know how much that's going to cost doubloons we don't know how much what's going to be offered I, I i really would have thought that we would have got that information by now this is going to be what's in the first battle pass this is going to be the premium and this is the premium plus and it's going to cost this x amount or are they just not wanting any debate ahead of time and just going to roll it out and then we find out on the day i don't, I don't uh, you, you can go eddie you know 
when it comes to stuff like this and, and other things as well, I, I'd, I'd wish that they give us a little bit more of, you know, notice, right? Because yeah. not only is it like for battle pass like this, but but stuff like clan battles. I've been waiting for the next season clan battles maps for for a couple of weeks now because I, I'm a person who likes to plan stuff in ahead. Yeah, and clan battles is starting again soon. And I'm not, I'm not even discussing how we don't get any downtime anymore between ranked clan battles and cots because once upon a time clan battles you had a ranked season a ranked a season that would go for about five six weeks um then you had a couple of weeks off um, then you had clan battles with no ranked uh, that finished then you had cots and there was also a little bit of downtime but now with ranked forever going on clan battles seeming to forever be always like only a few weeks apart unless it's a cots it there, there is a serious lack of downtime if that makes any sense i know that's yeah. completely different from battle pass but i'm just throwing that in you know like I, i've had my own arguments about, about downtime for this game and i don't know if there's a string from the, the the you know the agenda but i i think it's it's valuable to, to to put this in but on the topic of downtime you know i've had arguments with several people about this they bring up points as like you know there needs to be constant engagement with the game for for people to be invested in in playing and in investing their time their money in this game but also the the point of you know if you're constantly doing highly competitive things there's a risk of burnout there's a risk of of people getting on each other's nerves whatever right you know i personally would love it if you know there'd be limited to like three clan battle seasons a year uh compared to like the four or five six that we have right now yeah um I, I theorize like a, a competitive life cycle of four months where for two months that you have a clan battle season and then for the next months you have like a very fun like clan brawl session or season for for like a month and then the next month afterwards you have like a competitive tournament like cots or maybe even team league or well, what whatever that can fill that time slot for the next clan battle season because yeah bra brawls is the forgotten child in this it, it's now just thrown in even when clan battles are on ranks on like brawls was on last week and i didn't even realize because you know it's just it's just so integrated now that you it, it's no longer special or distinguished because they're, they're all just run over the top of one another um but yeah going back to downtime i i think it's critical um i, I stream the game i play the game a fair bit um downtime of just going to the gym going outside doing other things but even if you can sit down and play a game play a different game because it gives you a bit of respite from just the game itself if you're getting frustrated it, it is crucial um greeny i know you don't play only ship so what are your thoughts on the downtime greeny greeny's gone downtime as we speak no. But yeah, I mean, just, just going off of that point, I, it feels like I've been on a constant grind for the past God almighty, it's been almost two years now. So, there's no downtime between clan battles and competitive tournaments. Um, even the downtime between clan battles when there's nothing in between seems too short sometimes. It does. And then you've got dockyard ships as well. Um, and you'll yeah. play them in random. It was, it was amazing that they added the clan battles for the Puerto Rico. That and, saved my and, sanity. And in my position, I have to manage a clan, and sometimes, you know, not rightfully so, I have, like, community matters that are, are brought to my attention when, 
No, at the end of the day, the, the our community is very much of a conglomerate instead of a strict hierarchy. So, yeah. but even then, I get PMs regarding you know Z, Thronks, Bonky. Um, so you you love them all. You love them all. Oh my gosh, so popular. I <laughs> <laughs> right, look. I I know we digress from Battle Pass into downtime, but yeah, on downtime, don't 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 just play this game nonstop. Play other things as well. Look, I love ships, but you get more passionate. You'll enjoy ships more if you can step away from it as well. Especially for people that have played it for a few years, you need that break. And yeah, oh, I've been talking this whole time. I was talking this whole time, but Wait. my Discord wasn't picking me up. My VPN wasn't on. If uh, I don't have my if I don't have my VPN on, it drops Discord packets, and it doesn't tell me it does that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I agree with Addy. I think there should be downtime. Um, come join the cult of Deep Rock Galactic. It's great to play when you're not playing World of Warships. Um, Except when you see Greedy Dan, myself or Nagato, because I'm a terrorist on Driller. Do not come near me if I play Driller. I've but, been in um, voice chats with you yeah, and Nagato, and it seems like Nagato's a force of chaos. Dude, Nagato drilled an entire labyrinth of tunnels under the map, and then he d would just randomly drop people into it and <laughs> wouldn't tell them the way out. <laughs> so <laughs> Sounds like he had fun. <laughs> yeah. We didn't. We all died. <laughs> it, it's good fun. It, it's always awesome to vary your um, what you play. It's exactly like what you said, Griefer. You you know when you go to the gym, you don't just you don't just I don't know what you do. Run on a treadmill, whatever. When whatever you do in Australia, I don't know. We, um, we run on the treadmill from the roof because we're upside down. Remember? Yeah, that's true. With your Velcro See, shoes. See, when we when we do when we do bench press, we're we're pushing down with gravity, so it's 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 <laughs> it's harder because then we've got to pull it up. So, you know, bench press is a lot harder in the southern hemisphere. Do you know? Do you know what? what, a, I, what, what I was, was going to say. I was going to say quickly, Greeny. Do you know what a bench press is? Yes, <laughs> I press benches all the time when I put my fat ass on them. But, but what I was getting at is when you go to the gym. You don't just work on one part of your body. You do a whole bunch of different stuff because variety is good. It's the same it thing is. with video games. If you wake up, play World of Warships, go to bed, sometimes eat, I, words cannot describe how much pity I have for you. Wow, you, I feel attacked. Dude, okay, listen. No, you do. You don't sleep. You cut out sleeping and you replace it with work, which isn't good, but we'll get on to that. Cool. But what I'm getting at is... If you just constantly bash your head up against the, the, the monolith that is, you know, repeatedly playing a single game, you're just going to get burnout and it's not going to become fun anymore and it's going to become a job. That's what happened with me in World of Tanks. I, I played World of Tanks religiously for three years. And then one day I thought, hmm, if I boot up World of Tanks, I'm going to go jump off of a bridge somewhere and pray to God there's cement under me because I can't play this game anymore. And it, it was difficult to get to that point in the game that I enjoyed. So, you know, ver varying what you play, varying who you play it with is always going to be very healthy. Anyway, spiel done. Sorry. Uh, it's a good spiel. And look, it wasn't on the agenda. And I, I'll come back to Battle Pass quickly. But yeah, downtime is, is critical. Um, so please, please play other games. Um, keep, keep your gaming healthy, though. Please come back to World of Warships as well. 
Um, so any final thoughts then, gentlemen, on the Battle Pass? We will be seeing it. Shall we keep our... Or shall we keep our opinions to us to ourselves until we witness its launch in full glory, or will we will we get the here's the patch, but the battle pass will launch in a week type thing? Even then, because they, they've done that before. They've they said something's coming in the patch, and then you've got to wait halfway through the patch for it to be released. Um, they said they did say battle passes run for a month, so that November. Wednesday when it will be patched will be the 2nd of November sounds really perfect. That's when it will drop. I, I'm cautiously optimistic and that is with 15 asterisks, right? Because I think it it is so easy or, or I don't know. I, I don't want to say easy, but I think it's going to be rather simple for them to make this a slam dunk of an integration, right? But you just got to price it accordingly. Make sure that the free to play players are getting, you know, at, on par, if not better, rewards than they're already getting right now. Yeah. Um, however, you know, if, if greed gets the better of, of those who are in charge, it, it has the potential of backfiring. And hopefully it doesn't happen. Well, that's fair enough. Um, King of the Sea. Now, lots happened in King of the Sea since we've last had a podcast. Congratulations first to the NA folk, um, KC. They won the NA region. Uh, Vor won um, the APAC region. Oh yeah, uh, rip, rip Aussie Zeus, dude. I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, I don't know if you know. Reaper, uh, but, I did. Uh, he passed I away a few months ago. I didn't know that. That's that's fucking terrible. My heart goes out to the KSC people. Yeah, he's been a, a fixture of their lineup for many tournaments. So I'm, I'm sure for the, the veterans of um, their community his loss will be profound. Yeah. That's, it's always terrible to lose uh, a game friend. Yes. And I, I even hate referring to them as a game friend, but regardless, it's, it's still just fucked. It is. It is. Cause you play these games with a lot of people and um, you get to know folk. You even send them Tim Tams from mm -hmm. Amazon or some dodgy food companies. Or, that, or you send me a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never know what you get in the mail green. You got to keep I was just going to say, terrified to ask for more Tim Tams, just to circle back to that. Because what if you just send me a bomb one time? What if you Ted Kaczynski me? I didn't know I could order bombs off Amazon. What, what do you say? You probably can. Jeff Bezos sells anything. Right. Uh, that, it, now, that, that statement does not endorse the podcast, myself or Addison. That is all yep, Captain yep. Greeny. I said true out of, out of habit. Sorry. Yep. Just, <laughs> all just, my opinions are, are fake. Oh, hey, guys, there's an Amazon drone outside my window with a block. <laughs> what does that mean? Is that good? I'm not a bird watcher, but, you know. You, you, well, you, you're, now, you're now prey. Yep. I've been chosen. So, yeah, congrats to Penta, um, Vor, and KC winning COTS. I did watch a bit of the APAC. I didn't get to watch EU finals for any of our listeners to EU because that's 2 a.m. to, like, 5 a.m. my time. I like to sleep. Um, my wife would chop me as it is because I already commit so much time to streaming podcasts and other things. So got to at least have some sleep. But I did watch the NA finals. <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts on the NA um, playoffs? Are you happy with how it went? Um, do you think double elimination should really be the way? I know KC's won now the second time King of the Sea from the double elimination. I know ELSR got to be one game up. Um, 
as a win into that final, so that was meant to be their advantage of here you can't lose, but you get a game up to make it a little bit easier. Um, how do you think it went? Do you think it, it went well in the end? Uh, I, I think... Oh, sorry, Green Go, you can go ahead. Fourth slash third tastes really good. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, I think double elimination as a concept is, is very beneficial in terms of getting the, the best teams on a server to to represent themselves in uh, internationals. However, I think the way that it's implemented could be done better. Because as of right now, it's it's very much a game of stamina, right? Because some of these teams have been playing, you know, seven, eight, some upwards of 10 hours mm-hmm. on, a, on a day. And a lot of these teams are not really based on NA. I know there are players who... You know, are playing from different regions on the North American server, um, and, and they might be playing well into the night um, for 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 some of these matches. Now, I would love if if cots would be split up a little bit more. I know there's concerns of you know making it being on the same patch as, as everything, um, since you know you know start the tournament in one patch and then end the tournament in one patch, but. Yeah, I that, think it'd be, that that that'd be hard. That one, that one would probably yeah. be hard. Yeah, I, I would love it if it was spread out more personally. Um, so at the end of the day, once this system is implemented, this double elimination, it, it's it's done right, right? Um, so it's a, it's a measure of of skill. At, at the at the end of the day, oh. I don't know. That, that's just my two cents. Yeah, Greeny. Um. Did we lose Greeny again to his VPN? <laughs> he, he actually just... Oh, hello? Captain Greeny. Ground control to Greeny. Hello. Sorry, my Discord decided to, to crash. <laughs> you're, having, you're having all the fun today. Oh, it's magical. Good thing I'm not recording. <laughs> no, that, that's um, I don't really know how I feel on double elimination because... I didn't really see it from the outside, this COTS, if that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. I, I was doing a lot of refing and, and a lot of internal work, which meant that my focus wasn't on who placed where, who did what. It was more along the lines of getting data efficiently inputted into spreadsheets so everything can be updated. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's I, I, I can't really comment on uh, double limbs. I think I think double elimination is going to be here to stay. We saw it on EU this time around. But I, I personally think the best that the loser bracket should be able to go with is third. It's a double elimination. If you still come third, um, unless you're EU, that gets five teams. Um, coming third from NA, you would still go to see to internationals so if you were a team favorite and you got knocked out somewhere in the playoffs you still have the potential to progress through to internationals but i think the winner's bracket should be for the winner's bracket only correct me if i'm wrong greifer was that the original system the one that we had uh, say Yes. 13 and before? I, I believe that was the original system in that, um, I think, was it 07? They got knocked out early by GGWP, and they finished third. They couldn't I believe go, so. And they couldn't go up to play the final. And it got changed after that, 
Um, but they still played internationals from third, so I, I, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I actually think that's a good format because it, it's not the end of the competition. You've still got something to strive for for coming in third for King of the Sea in your regionals, and you still get to go play internationals. So if you are the better team, you can still go showcase your skills on the international um, format. Mm -hmm. I think one of the times that, um, and it is going off the stamina part as well, um, we were in loser bracket finals. I think it was you know two two or one one uh, the the series. Mm -hmm. It was coming down to the last game. We lost that game, and people were not sad because we all wanted to go to bed because <laughs> everyone was so tired that they did not yeah. want to play another you know best of five. It, it gets it does get tough like that. Now I've got a I've got a few questions here on King of the Sea, but I've got this question in general: Who? Is King of the Sea for? Is it is it for players like us that playing King of the Sea for the rewards and having a um, competitive tournament? Is it for the viewers of um, the streams that go on like live YouTube, live Twitch, or other platforms, or is it for the casters? Because and sorry to throw you both in this question because. Um, you may have more information than I see, but it sometimes feels that as as players, um, we get overlooked. Like there's a survey, but the survey gets sent to people that watch King of the Sea. Like, what maps do you like? What do you like? As a player, I I hate particular maps and that. But why why would people who watch the tournament get to dictate how the tournaments run? Like, so that, that's why I'm now starting to wonder who is King of the Sea actually for. Or is it just predominantly? It's meant to be for everyone. They're trying to get everyone's interests covered. I think King of the Seas, as it is currently run, and as itself as a tournament, is only really still here for the players themselves. And I know that might be an unpopular opinion. However, for on the topic of viewers... I've heard time and again that COTS in itself is is rather boring to watch. Uh, for, for, for players who may not understand the entirety of what's happening on the screen, mm -hmm. uh, which makes up probably the majority of, of the viewership. And that's not a dig on you know the, the viewers themselves. It's yeah. just some of these things are very niche um, of tactics. Their, their tactics are, are not widely seen. And they are very static sometimes. And so that's not the most enjoying or very um, enticing gameplay to watch. Um, and on the topic of casters, uh, I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of streamers and they say streaming COTS most of the times is just not worth it. They make more money just from doing other things. Play, um, playing their random games or ranked? Yeah, playing random games, playing ranked. They make more money or, or doing giveaways. Giveaways are a huge draw for some of these for casters and these streamers. And they're not getting the same viewership or money inflow that they are compared to that, right? The other uh, thing is, is casting. I don't mean to cut you off, but casting cots and doing all that stuff for cots is a massive time sink. Oh, it, it's it not is. like you show up and, and, and cast one game. And especially, you know, back when I was... I, I wasn't as entrenched in the game as I am now. I'd see you stream, Griefer. I knew you were a CC back when you were in Kraken. I was like, why isn't he streaming COTS? And now that I know that you're 
from a country that doesn't exist and <laughs> they're like 18 billion years behind us in terms of time, it totally makes sense. It, it, because you don't want to wake up at like 8 a.m. What do you mean? It's, it's, it's 4.30 or 5 a.m. Exactly. You don't want to wake up at 4 a.m. and then stream to like 1 p.m. Mm. You can't justify that. I mean, there, there's people here who put away their entire days to, to stream COTS. And a lot of people keep streaming after COTS. <laughs> so it's like four hours of streaming and then, oh, yeah, well, it's randoms time. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rank time. Oh, yeah, here we go. It, it, yeah. it, is, it is hard to cast COTS. I, I've cast both um, APAC and um, NA. Um, it's just setting up the stream itself. That could, that could be a few hours getting everything working for how you like it. In yeah, the overlay, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've got multiple monitors, so that makes it a little bit easier. But it, it is a complex thing if you're a new person. Um, it's a five-minute delay, so it's very hard to interact with your viewers or um, watchers. I, I love interacting with um, people on the stream, so there is that. But, um, yeah, you, you're basically sailing blind, like, with with your content that you're chatting with to people, and um, you can talk to the game. And there's, sometimes there's downtime. Like, um, if... if um, I know NA does their casting very differently, where we have staggered games, especially through the group stages, but I cast Asia ones, and they, they're doing best of um, two games. They had an hour block, but one game took 40 minutes to kick off. Um, because the refs had to check all the rooms. And th that's no indication of poor refing. They had other issues in other games that they had to go see to. Um, and it's just what it was. But the, the games themselves, when they were there, they were fantastic. But um, it's trying to interact with the audience when you don't have a game. Mm. And just try and keep them engaged is, is very, very hard on a streamer. It's, it's keeping them engaged with a five-minute delay. So it's not yes. even like you can shoot the shit with chat. Because by the time you're responding whoever said that could possibly just be like alt tab doing something else yeah or they've left they've you gone know. to go watch someone yeah. else or, or, they've, or they're like well fuck i'm just watching you know griefer talk about you know boats for 20 minutes i'm gonna go try and find somebody who's streaming a game because if you're if you want to watch cots you're there to watch cots a lot of people bounce between streamers so yeah uh like just going back to like your original question griefer of like you know who who's the king of the season? Why I answered, you know, at the end of the day, the tournament is geared towards the players. I think the players themselves are the only group that was listed who are incentivized to continue cots, right? Because a lot of these teams are looking for, you know, some of these teams are looking for rewards, but a lot of these teams are looking for, you know, the the recognition, the yeah. um, the the experience, the just um. No, just being known as a team that performed well in COTS, right? Yeah. Oh, look, I, uh, I, I agree. I still want to have that winning COTS emblem. That, that, yeah. That's why I keep playing it. What, which is the point that really confuses me because a lot of the decisions uh, kind of mismatch that because they're pandering to other groups that may not have been you know, a group that is incentivized to continue playing COTS or can have COTS continue being the tournament that, or competition that it is currently. Uh, as you said, Griefer, the the surveys, the uh, you know other incentives that are geared towards other groups. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. So that, that's why I raised the question because if it was a survey for players that partook in COTS, I can understand. But when the surveys were um, dropped to everyone to answer in Discord in streams, it it just seemed like you're going to get a very, very um, diluted 
response, especially if the question is, do you want to see CVs or submarines in King of the Sea? Like, uh, as people may just answer yes without even really understanding that how much that's going to change the whole concept of the game. As a viewer, yeah. as, to go off of that, as a viewer, I do not mind. I think it's actually kind of funny in some sadistic way seeing someone getting dropped by a CV. And so I might have answered yes if I did not play in the tournament. If uh, I was at risk of being dropped Jesus. by a CV, Jesus. I will never, never if, vote for being if, Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. If Nick's Cots has CVs, if you're on the enemy CV and Eddie's there, please make his AA go off and drop him because he's you know just said he, he wants them. I did actually play as a CV player during one the one Cots season uh, after 8.0 that they had CVs in. Um, I think I actually... Though? I think I actually dropped um, Vamp, who is our uh, one of our beautiful members, uh, several times in he, in, when he was playing Yamato or Montana, and, and um, yeah, he it's, I still remember that to this day. I think it was a Tash at the time. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I I mean I I I think the I'm I kind of operate the same way. I think we all do. It's kind of like when you watch, you know. Uh, you know, you're just sitting there and you say, oh, that guy's about to get 30k'd by, you know, midway HE bombs. And then you get happy about it when you see it happen. But, yeah. but if that was you, you'd like scream at the top of your lungs and punch your desk in half. You know, it's, I, I totally see your... Sorry, oh, so, so, so I'm not weird. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, that or we're both weird. You're both um, weird. You're I both didn't weird. want to get your hopes up. Um, <laughs> last question. Now that we've got international cots, we've got regional. Do we do we really think we should have our regional areas, NA, EU, APAC, and now China, actually having the same regional structure to be consistent as well? Because they all have very different um, ways to get into their regional finals and playoffs. And like APAC had group stage best of two, where each wins like a point or two points. So even if you won one one two points each in their group stage which i didn't actually mind but is is it should we be looking at that to make them all consistent so the best teams go forward i personally on, on this matter i think it's a little difficult to have consistency across all the servers because of how different the, all the different servers are um I, I can say one thing the north american server has seen a massive massive death in terms of you know competitive clans at the top end over the years yes and so you know we're, we're playing with you know half a dozen you know if you stretch it a dozen really really you know decent teams uh whereas compared to before a couple of years ago there'd be like dozens right there'd, there'd, there'd be 50 teams that you could name yeah. off the back of your hand that would be competitive with their groups, but yeah, you're right. And, we, and, we've, we've seen a lot of groups just fall off the table. Yeah, and just you know, taking it a, a little further here, you know, I don't know how you know you you correct this, right? Because I'm of the opinion that steel on steel makes sharper steel. So if you have tough competition, you are if you have the motivation of getting better, you get better as a result of fighting tougher opponents. And so with not that many top tier clans left on the server, you know, it, it's kind of hard. Uh, but but just going back to the original question, you know, I... Uh, sorry, there, there's some background noise. Uh, there's a football game going on behind. But um, 
I think it's rather hard to have consistent structure across all the different servers because just because of how different all the servers are. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I know EU has a plethora of very skilled and very high-level teams. Um, I am not too in tune with, with what's happening in, in uh, APAC. Uh, and I, I started looking into the Chinese server games and I'll, I'll touch on that later if we get to it. But um, they, they just seem like such different servers that I think having one consistent rule set for every server is is going to be challenging. Oh, fair enough. I, I very much agree. I, um, Natty essentially said all the things I wanted to say. All these servers are completely different. If you try to put them all through the same, you know, peg hole, you know, the same square hole, you're just not going to, it's not going to be a good time. That's fair enough. And a lot of the uh, COTS teams, uh, in terms of coordinators and stuff, all, uh, the, the vast majority of them are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly dedicated to what they're they doing. Are, they are. The uh, I've, I've had riffs. They're, they're, all, they're all volunteers. Um, oh, yeah, I, I've had nothing but good interactions with the NA team. You know, and I, I can't speak um, uh, on the on the APAC teams, and I shouldn't speak on the European teams. But um, you know, it, 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 there's been a lot of very good interactions uh, in terms of their leadership. So I think that there's enough of a skeleton there that is set down for each of the servers to kind of flesh out themselves and build a COTS that works for that server. That's fair enough. Now, it's been out for a little while now. It was a little bit hard to get into because they had the Halloween events. So um, you had to have a team of six or seven to drop into the Wolfpack. But the Wolfpack um, operations are here. Now, this is a submarine-only operation. I did play this operation. Have either of you gentlemen tried the Wolfpack up? Nope. Uh, I actually have not on the... Well, I, I I dabble a little bit in the Wolfpack. Um, actually, I, I don't think I have the the rights to, to mention it, but I, I played a little bit of the of the Wolfpack. Yep. Um, now I, I think, yeah, we all six of us were in comms. We we took six subs, so three on the north, three on the south. Um, you got to take out some ships on either flank early on, and then you get a convoy that you've got to take out um, particular ships to win uh, the operation. And there are certain criteria, like there must be at least one sub that hasn't been detected. Um, it was fun, I'm going to say, but the AI was very predictable. So the first sub that really gets aggressive for the main convoy, the DDs and cruisers all chase that flank, which was the north flank. So um, we did a lot. Of those guys did a lot of shotgunning. And then the southern flank came in on the CV and the other vessels and just topped them to obliteration because the rest of the cruisers and subs ran off north. Um, so it, it, when we were on comms, it just seemed too easy. We, we five-starred it a few times, first go five-starred, and this is with players that never played subs before. So, um, Greeny, you haven't done it. Addy may have done it in some testing but thoughts i actually think the operation itself was fun but i would like to see variation on ships or ai tactics maybe i don't know if that's possible but it just seemed very predictable like like you would with a narrow operation once people learn what the operation ai is going to do it's very predictable to win I might not be the the best person to ask about this because I've never found operations uh, 
Very enticing, and, and, and at least in my opinion, I I, 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 I agree. I, I don't enjoy operations at the best of times because I I, yeah. I want to. I love challenging myself against other people to get better, to improve, and to see my yeah. skill set. Um, for me, operations is. I'll do it once in a while, but th there is no challenge for me. For me, it seems like co-op, but with extra steps, um, which in a sense it almost is, um, but. I, I think the concept is, is very interesting, uh, being, you know, very much geared towards submarines. I would love it if, you know, this that was the extent of the implementation of submarines. But we already, we already touched on that, you know, in the beginning of the podcast. Have, yeah. Um, you know, if, if there was more variation, I, I'd love that. So for people who are repeatedly doing these operations, this Wolfpack um, addition to the game... Yeah, there'd be there'd be reason to repeat it right? I, I agree and there'd be if there's variation or adding them to other operations it may give them a, a nice niche um and i hope then they keep them out of randoms but um that that's my um secret wish Alrighty, and um, now in the past two weeks we've seen the introduction um, of a new destroyer, the Velos. She's a Greek destroyer, so she'll come in under the pan-European flag. Um, currently there's a web campaign for Velos. It's fairly straightforward as far as a web campaign goes. Um, I, I I want to ask you both what well, your your thoughts on the web campaign model where you've got to go into the armory, click in the Velos campaign, and click your next mission because I, I find this not as easy to interact as a normal campaign. So you may complete a mission in your web campaign um, unless if you don't check all your results tab carefully, you don't know you've completed, it and then you don't know you've got to go back into the armory and go select the next mission chain. Um, what, what do you guys think of these web campaigns? We've got them for Missouri, we've got them for the USS Black, and now we've got them for the Velos. Have you have you gone through them? Were you aware of them? Do you find them easy? I, I um, so I just looked up what all the Black missions were, what the criterias were, and then I, I stopped playing once I had reached all those criterias. And, Fair enough. Um, I didn't click through the missions. Thank you, Greifer, for bringing it up because this is the first time that I went in the armory and clicked on the web campaign. Yep. Oh, the, but the I didn't. I didn't click on them, so I didn't get the the last boat. I made oh. sure to click on these, but yeah, it, it's weird. I kind of wish it was a normal mission chain. I really like the interactive bits of this one. Oh, and that last one with the the with, the, with the, sail, Hampshire? the Hampshire sail around the world type thing. Yeah, that was cool. That had great graphics. That had yes. um, but unless you're aware of it and. Yeah, Unless you know when you complete your mission, you got to go check literally your armory every time or your combat mission tab. And when it's complete, it disappears and you go back into your armory to select it. But if you're just playing games, shooting, if I'm with Addy and a few other people in a div playing, you may not do that. So it really takes a focus to know what you're doing. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I wish that it was also displayed on your missions tab. That's really my only complaint. I don't mind having to go through and click through them. but They are on your missions tab, but once you complete, they, they disappear. Are. They are. Once you accept the mission, they are on your combat mission tab. But once you complete them, they are removed till you go select the next phase I, in the web campaign. I don't see them. They are there, trust me. Okay. All right. Well, I, yeah, I'll trust you. 
I thought I had selected it. Hold on. At least, at least Eddie's now going to be aware he's going to earn some tokens for the Velos. Now, for those that are under a sun-bleached rock on the, the beautiful Mediterranean and Greek islands, as I said, the Velos is the first Greek destroyer in the game, so she's coming under the arm of the Pan-EU. She is a Fletcher-class destroyer featuring 4x1 127mm guns. Stock, they will be 2.5 second or 2.6 second reload. She has two four two aft guns. She has a one centerline torpedo launcher of a 1x5-533mm torpedoes. They go 10.5Ks from memory. Um, now, in case people are wondering, you guys can mock me for this, but I actually build this boat around the torps. Now, you say why? She's only got 1x5. Um, stock, they reload 60 seconds. So I, I put in the captain skill 10% quicker. I put in the sixth module to do the 12% quicker torpedo reload. So I get it down to 45 seconds. Um, that is quicker than the Fletcher's two racks if you're staggering them, but the Fletcher gets the one go, um, one gun. I've I've had the, this debate with other people. Overall, the Fletcher is better because it gets extra guns, it gets the two torps. But for me, this boat is definitely interesting and different enough that it's fun to play. So I do recommend that she's a fun boat to get. Um, how would you guys build her? She has standard US consumables, no other gimmicks other than the really, really the ability to build fast torp reloads. So a lot of my friends who had gotten the Velos before had built it for guns. And when I had my got my first hands on, on the ship, you know, I play my first game, you know, building for guns because I oh it's you know it, it's like a it's like a Sherman, right? It has fast reloading 127s, you know, I'm built it like a Sherman. Uh, but then I realized and looked down that my stock reload on the torps was 60 seconds. I was like, that seems abusable. <laughs> uh, and so I, after that first game, I went back to the port and I redone, redid all my captains and upgrades and modules and whatever. And I slapped on Jerry Swerzy on there too to, you know, if I do hit eight torps uh, yep. or, or whatever the threshold is, I get faster to reload. And let me tell you, it is, it is hilarious. I, I love the ship. Um, because battleships or other ships in general are not accustomed for ships to have that fast of a reload. And so, you know, they see the set coming towards them. They you know, maybe eat one or two and then they start to turn out because they think, oh, you know, we're, it has we're, a safe set of for, one. we're safe for a minute or two. Yeah. And so they start turning out. And just as they start turning out, you know, your torps are back up again and, and you're already downrange. Uh, yeah. So I think that in itself is a very interesting type of gameplay. And uh, you know, I think it's really fun. I've got to say, it is funny when you get them down to the 45 seconds that by the time your first set is about 9 or 9.5 Ks away, you're launching your next set. It's it's like a USS Black that you can fire another set before your first set has even reached its end journey. Mm -hmm. I really, really like the camo that you can get through the event. Yeah, the blue camo, the the oh, the, the Tyrene awesome. camo. I look art department has carried some of the early release, early access, like the 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 Royal Navy heavy cruiser with the white, the gold looked terrible. The Italian legionnaire, in my opinion, looked terrible. But this Tyrene camo with the eye, the blue, absolutely on point. The ram, yeah. the four, the aft, the the blues are awesome. The art, the stylings, awesome. The lines are awesome. The shields are awesome. I love this camo. This, this camo is a bit of a win. Mm-hmm. It's a very big win. 
And also, don't diss those Legionnaire camos for the Italian battleships. I like. I think they're cool. I, I dislike them. I dislike. Yeah, them. I gathered. Um. So yeah, as, as I said, she has otherwise standard US consumables such as smoke and engine boost. So if look, if you've really got some premiums or you're in love with the Fletcher, this boat may not be for you. But um, if you're looking for something different for a, a torp reload, a quick US DD that still has four of four by one one twenty seven mm great guns, do try the Velos. Yeah, I I, I think it looks like it's going to be fun. Now, we're moving on to history, Greeny. I, I have, um, I, I don't know how much of this you've been able to research, so we're going to go off here. We, we're going to discuss the German or Kriegsmarine uh, pocket battleships. So, what made these... I, Sorry, go. I just had one quick thing I wanted to include. Yep. Um, because I have a surplus of codes from last week, I'm going to be giving away four codes this week and the simple question that i would like answered is the uh hms belfast for those of you who don't know is a ship and that ship actually had to go through two efforts to save her what was the date that she was set up to or she was um what was the date that she was relegated to be scrapped the first go around so not when the Imperial War Museum got her hands got their hands on it, but the first time around. If you can answer that question, DM Green in Discord. If you don't have Discord, you can email it through. I'm on the email, and I'll send them through to Greeny as well. I'll, I'll do that. I'll give out. Uh, like I said, we have two weeks worth of codes to uh, catch up on. So here we are. But. Pocket battleships. Yeah, what made them such a threat to Britain and her interests? Because Britain, on paper, had the massive greater naval firepower because Germany was gimped after uh, the Treaty of Versailles, after the First World War. And why was Britain so reluctant to engage these pocket battleships in the early war? All right, I can answer that question relatively easily. Do you know... What was the single biggest strain the the uh, British suffered during the First World War? Manpower loss. Uh, no. Um, well, well, actually, yes, because Brit Britain literally, Britain and France both like lost a generation. And the, so they, I actually they, shouldn't, they were, they shouldn't were all, say no. They were also fiscally broke. It was the stranglehold that the U-boats put on them in the First World War. Yes, because they go out there. They'd sink a whole bunch of cargo ships. Cargo wasn't getting through to the UK. That's why they had to ration a whole bunch of stuff. So Britain didn't want a repeat of this during the Second World War. And Germany saw how effective it was, which is why they obviously put a, uh, you know, a lot into submarines. But they also put a lot more into larger ships. L larger solo larger raiders, ships. yeah. This, this mm -hmm. was a solo raider. It wasn't, a, it yeah, wasn't a small contingent with destroyers. It was designed to operate alone. Yep. yep, it was designed, okay, go out in the Atlantic, sink ships, come back. And that's all, and that's what a lot of these German ships were based around. I mean, that's what the Bismarck's initial mission was. That's what the Tirpitz was supposed to go out and do. Scharnhorst went out and did it. The Gneisenau went out and did it. The whole, a, a lot of the, the 
these a lot of the driving factors behind these ships was, was commerce rating. Yes. So Britain didn't want to have to, you know, go and tell Mama O'Reilly that she couldn't have beans this week because all of the beans were at the bottom of the Atlantic. So that's why Britain was so kind of geared where it was gearing up to deal with it. And that's why Germany was kind of gearing up to, to put that into effect. And the, a lot of these ships were designed to just brute force be larger and more powerful than a lot of the common convoy escorts that they would run into. It kind of goes back to the whole be big enough to beat the shit out of anything you can't outrun mm -hmm. kind of style of naval design. So that's why you, you have ships like the Grash Bay walking around with 11-inch guns. Yes, and if you've never it's, watched the classic movie Battle of the River Plate, um, even though it's probably outdated for drama, still still watch it for historical aspect. It's still uh, slightly on par with the actual events that happened in regards to the Grash Bay. But uh, a lot of these, you know, it, it was just designed to bully cruisers. It was designed to be able to shove off and deal with adequately a lot of the cruisers that she was going to uh, run into, but she was designed to be fast enough to outrun the slower, standard-esque battleships that Britain had. And she kind of just banked on, like, Hood not being around, because I, Hood was really the only thing that could run her down. But Hood could run everything down. Well, the Hood you had know. its own issues in the end. Well, yeah, but you know, this is pre-war design. So... Mm. Um, and that's what a lot, that's the, the hippers had a large element of this. The, the, the hippers had a lot of commerce rating in mind during their initial genesis. Yep. Now and we, sorry, go. Oh, sorry. No, 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 you go. I was going to say, we, we, we hear a lot of the Graf Bay, but we don't hear much of the Deutschland or the Admiral Scheer. And they, they were both very effective raiding raider cruisers as well. Um, I don't know if you know anything off the top of your head uh, around either vessel. Nope. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to get up on a rock here. A lot of people aren't going to like me. Um, I don't really feel German naval development during the Second World War is an incredibly interesting area. Uh, they built destroyers that didn't work. They built uh, capital ships that were very heavy and still incorporated outdated concepts. And they built "quote unquote" treaty cruisers that were worse than cruisers that complied with the treaties. It's not an incredibly interesting story for me. Not to detract from what they did, because at the end of the day, I, I have immense amount of respect for anybody who goes and fights for their country, because that's the, you know a very very noble thing to do. But when you have destroyers that can't go below fifty percent fuel oil load, or else they'll be in danger of flipping over you have difficulty designing boats and it's just not very interesting. That's why I, I love studying uh, Imperial Japanese naval design. I'd love studying British. I love studying um, American. Don't really jive a lot with G uh, German. Italians are also very interesting and I don't really just jive a lot with a lot of the uh, Russian naval developments. You can look at the Australian of, developments then from down under, upside down ship development. I love that. I love that. You guys shot at a moon and scared the ever living fuck out of the Italians. We love <laughs> we love Royal Australian cruisers. Now, it's it's funny because a lot of the a lot of the, the cruisers from 
the British kind of what, what's the term protectorates? What, what were you guys back then? Commonwealth. Yeah, a lot of the the ships from the Commonwealth fought like absolute animals. Oh, it's, sorry, it's the sorry. same thing. Sorry, we were part of the British Empire. Oh, sorry. A lot of the people, whatever, from the colonies. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling you colonies. A hey, lot of the people we, from the colonies. We were part. Like we, we were part of an empire. It was the same thing with a lot of the nations from Europe, like the 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 Polish, think yeah. of the Pior, the Lightning, the 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 Polish destroyer that went up and signal lamp flashed the Bismarck. I am a pole. I am a pole. You can't shoot me. I am a pole. When the 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 Bismarck, the night before the Bismarck was sunk, when mm-hmm. when a rudder was stuck. You know, there, there's a lot of very interesting stories along those lines, and I, I hold immense amount of respect for all those people. But you put fire control cables outside of armor belts, you aren't designing a ship very well. Back to the stabilities. When you are designing a, a ship that requires a certain amount of fuel oil to be kept in the bottom of the ship to maintain buoyancy, that's not very good. When you d- have a power plant that kills itself, if your oil isn't the exact right temperature and thickness, I, you're not. It's 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 not very interesting to me. Yeah. But that's just me and my fat mouth. That's Lord enough. knows there's enough people talking about German military history. Lord knows there's enough. I, I was going to ask you, but I, I don't think you'll answer this one. Could the conflicts with the pocket battleships have gone differently, knowing how Brefsch Bay was cornered into... Um, the river for repairs and then um, she was asked to move on and so forth. Do you think um, if like they had been, if Grafsch Bay and a few other had been allowed to sortie because the Admiral Shear really didn't sortie out as much as um, the Grafsch Bay, could they have inflicted more um, losses upon convoy trade? They probably could have and they may have gone down in different ways, but would you have used them differently seeing how they were designed? I would have sent them out of the Atlantic. If I, if I was a German admiral, I would have sent them out of the Atlantic and into like the Indian Ocean and, and uh, around there. Because at the end of the day, the biggest threat to all of these big surface ships is other surface ships and air power. And it's a lot easier for a submarine to operate in the North Atlantic and still get the job done with much less crew, much less maintenance, much less money essentially being poured into it. And I wouldn't want to uh, uh, put forth all this effort to get a ship into the Atlantic for it to just get absolutely immolated by like PBY Catalinas or something. So I, I, I would have sent them to a, a lower risk area and just had them commerce raid uh, there. The other thing is these pocket battleships had very 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 endurance orientated power plants so i think they were all diesel powered so you can literally just punch them out over there and instead of having to bring over fuel oil and and fire bricks and everything else you need to maintain a a, a steam plant you just have an oil tanker go out there every so often and fill them up spare part ship something like that yep yep. so Uh, they're a lot easier yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot easier to operate them independently and outside I, of a, I, a, I, an actual port. I understand. I agree with you on the Indian Ocean because there would have been a lot less um, Allied naval firepower there, especially if you can around the the Gulf through the canal, uh, not Panama Canal, the um, Suez Canal. 
Um, but you got to remember as well from the First World War, you had Graf Spee's squadron that was so effective going around um, into the Pacific, um, raiding Allied shipping there, and around the Falkland Islands there was a combat there as well. So maybe their doctrines hadn't advanced in 20 years from those surface naval raiders, but... Um, it, look, it, it is it is fascinating and it is a what if, and um, I I actually liked how they were they were built because, in theory, they were treaty cruisers. They were cruisers with battleship guns. So, um, though if you were allied on a light cruiser, you wouldn't want to come up against those guns because no, you'd know that they would punch you in every direction. No, I wouldn't want to go anywhere fucking near them. I'd, I'd be like, okay, where, where's the nearest cruiser? I, I want a heavy cruiser to deal with this. I'm, yeah. I'm not taking my fucking dipshit Leander class up against this. No, thank you. Oh, wait. Find, find me somewhere else. Oh, wait, we did. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. But, yeah. I, I, they're, they're definitely... They're, I think that in, in terms of... I, I think that they're well-designed ships for what... for the role that they were supposed to fill. I just think that the role that they were supposed to fill was easily countered in the areas yep. that they were fulfilling it. That's fair enough. Yeah. Alrighty then, I must say thank you to Addison for joining us this week. And Greeny, I know you've had a busy day with COTS International and everything else, so thank you for making time for recording the podcast. You're welcome. It's hey. always... No, go ahead. It's always a joy. I love hanging out, love talking with you, and I love shooting the shit with you, so... Yes, yeah. so yeah. always, uh, always happy to be here. Well, yep. We will see you next week. We're we're back on recording schedule. Green and I will come up with a, another agenda. It should be a patch week, so we'll, I'm sure we will have a lot to discuss. Until then, uh, do do enjoy the game. Remember, um, have a break now and then. Play other things. Bit of downtime, and we'll catch you next week. Don't send suspiciously wrapped packages to people. It's a headache. Unless Have a nice week. Unless your name's Captain Green. Yeah, actually, unless it's me. Yeah, go ahead. Send, send me mail bombs. Thank you. Send him food, especially chili yep. crabs. Oh, cream cheese.